morning good afternoon wherever in the world you are welcome back to another episode of the reconnect with your teenager podcast with yours truly emma g if you are new to this space this time zone this world of the reconnecting with your teenager let me break it down for you really quickly my name is emma g and i have been a youth empowerment through songwriting coach for the past four or five years as well as a musician and speaker my whole mission is to utilize non-conventional ways like music to help empower and build and develop a next generation of strong resilient happy positive teenagers and adults. Uh, But of course, I'm not the only one who's doing this kind of work. Yes, my method of madness is through music, but there are artists and creators and coaches and mentors and teachers and educators all around the world who are utilizing other methodologies to help make sure that this next generation of young people grow into happy, healthy adults. Today, I am joined all the way from Missouri uh, none other than Mel Studer. How are you, Mel? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, the sun is shining here in DC. It's clearly springtime. And, uh, you know, where I get to hide from the sunshine for a little bit and <laughs> come and hang out with you. So I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And the sun is trying really hard to shine here. It's very cloudy. That, though. That, and listen, as long as the sun is still trying, that that's all we can ask for, right? Yeah. So let's dive right in. You have quite an interesting story because, like I said, your your approach to young people and working with young people is maybe not the most traditional pathway because you have been an educator yourself for the past 30 years, specifically with middle school. Is that correct? Uh, not only. Okay. Um, I actually have a varied ed- um So I had two years in middle school that were my last two years of teaching, but I've taught preschool and pre-K for 11 years. I taught elementary for nine and then middle school for two. So it's kind of been, and then I subbed in between all of there when I had little boys at home with me. Right, right. So That's quite the journey. So what got you into education in the first place? You know, I've thought a lot about that. I just always, I just love kids. And of course, if you would have told me in college that I would have, chosen preschool over all of those ages that I mentioned, I would have said, no, that's not right. But those are my people um, in the classroom. But finishing out in middle school a couple years ago made me realize how, you know, as a parent, I struck, you know, you struggle to keep that connection with your teenager when they become a teen. And I just watched a lot of things happening in and outside of my classroom when I taught middle school. And I thought they're these, the parents and the kids need so much help with just relationships and how to deal with everything that is going on in the world right now. Of course. That's kind of, I had already been writing, um, on my blog, next phase parenting, which it's all in the description. I'm now at, uh, no, I had been at parenting high schools and now I'm at next phase parenting. It's confusing, but really my whole premise is that as parents, it's our job to create and keep that connection with our teens. And um, there's a million ways to do it. And every family is different. Every teen is different, even within 
you know, your own home. Of course. Um, my first son and my second and my third are all completely different. So, um, yeah, it helped gave me a lot more perspective when I got went back into the classroom in middle school, for sure. Right, right. I have a couple of questions, but I, I want to dive right into the jugular, if I, if I may. Sure. Um, you know, because I was raised in a different country to the States. I, I grew up in New Zealand, uh, between New Zealand and Fiji. And I, I, I it, it's one of those things now that I've been in the education space in um, the Washington, D.C. area since my TED Talk went live. Um, I've, I've been doing some subbing and some, you know, um, art, uh empowerment sessions with various middle schools and high schools as well. Um, I've noticed a distinct difference in the mindset of an educator here compared to in New Zealand, yet I feel as if the um, experiences of young people tend to be quite same-same. With the advent of social media and technology and things, however, things are changing so dramatically and so quickly. I'm curious, as you have gone from parenting middle schoolers to educating middle schoolers to working and coaching middle schoolers, what have been the um, the things that have kind of most caught you off guard or that you may have not been quite as prepared for as you would have liked? So that's a great question. I I think what for me as a parent, when our oldest turned 14, up until that point, we had felt like, oh, you know, we got this. He's good kid. You know, he's doing okay in school. And I think we just kind of sat back on our laurels and thought, you know, he's got this. And then literally when he turned 14, Within hours, it seemed like he was this completely <laughs> different creature. And right, we're like, right. oh, I don't know who that is anymore. And we had always been, I would call ourselves purposeful parenters. We 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 always had, you know, we had family meetings, you know, once a month um, just to kind of check in with everybody. But we had also met one on one with each of our guys um, right around like they're called IPRs in our town um, interim progress reports, uh, which are basically grades. Um, so they would meet with us one-on-one -on -one and not just about grades, but kind of like, where were they at in life? And, you know, what was going on that we needed to know about, or did they have any questions for us? But when our oldest got to middle school, we kind of dropped the ball. We, th we thought he had, you know, that it was fine. He's, he's growing up. He doesn't need us anymore. And that was the hugest mistake. I think if I could look back on all my parenting and of course, we aren't perfect and we made lots of mistakes, but that was our biggest mistake. And it was during that time of reassessment and really thinking about it and really not being satisfied with that event that I started thinking about writing a blog. And I, that's where my, I wrote a book and that's where that came from was just the research. Cause I thought no one, you know, everyone's like, oh, teenagers, they're so tough, but they don't tell you why. And they don't tell you, OK, try this, this and this to help yourself through these stages. And no, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe there are books out there, but I sure am a researcher and a reader and I could not find what I wanted. So I kind of created our own system. And really, it was all about connection. And so with our number two and number three son, 
we never allowed that gap to happen. Now I'm not yeah. saying that they were perfect by any means. Um, and there were still times he didn't want to talk to us and that there were breakdowns in our relationship. But I feel like overall that we never lost that connection. There were ups and downs, which I think that's completely normal. But so I think the biggest thing that surprised me was how quickly at whatever age it's going to happen for your teenager, 13, 14, some maybe as late as 15, they are going to change and they are going to act like they don't want you, need you, like you. All of that is you're going to think oh, what in the world? And yeah. and that was just that was really difficult. And I and that's when I really started thinking, OK, there, there's got to be a better way. I, I love that. I was 11, by the way, when oh, well, so <laughs> when I yeah. earlier too, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. No, no teenager is the same. No teenager is the same. No parents are the same. Uh, and so it's really important that we, you know, that we do give young, you know, young parents, parents of young children, um, you know, that that foundation yes. that they can kind of feel and and not feel judged when they make mistakes or when, uh, or whatever. I, I don't believe in mistakes personally. I believe they're all opportunities for growth. Um, but, you know, being able to navigate those, those conversations and that, that those difficult times. So that's from a parenting perspective, right? I mean, you have right, raised three beautiful children. Thank you. Um, you have done so, you know, through all the ugly and all the beauty. Um, and you've found some, some really important ways to, to connect with your children because, and I, I love how you said this, um, you were talking about how they start to need independence and autonomy, but they still need love and connection to be heard. Yes. That is beautiful. Uh, and I think something to your point that a lot of parents forget they're like, okay, you think you're grown? Go ahead then. Go go be grown, um, which is fine until it's not. How do you <laughs> how do you how do you navigate that as an educator and as a coach? So, the type of coaching that I'm hoping to get into is I really want to help preteens and their parents to set up some of these systems. So that as these changes occur, you've already made some goals together. You've already established um, your meeting rules. I don't know what a better word is to say, but like a, a system of communication where if it's if it's a bad week, like literally, and I don't have it with me, but a spiral notebook is all you need. And we would pass it back and forth. And if I had the notebook and my son didn't know where it was and whatever son it was, whichever at the time when they would, they had, I had post-its all over the house and they would just slap a post-it on my mirror and I'd put it in the notebook. And so the next time we would meet, which we really middle school, you need to start meeting weekly. And I, that is not an exaggeration. There is so much to cover before they leave your house. And that doesn't matter if they're going to college or just, you know, thinking they'll go into a trade or taking a gap year. It doesn't matter what their plan is. And in middle school, they don't know what their plan is, but it's a great opportunity to start those conversations and get them thinking, you know, what am I good at? What do I like? You know, who do I admire? And by starting younger, I mean, it's never too late to start, 
but the younger you start, the more conversations you can have. And so that's where I see myself when I finish my training for coaching. Um, even though you and I were talking, you know, real life, I think I could probably start now. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I think that it's never too early to start these kinds of conversations. And of course you need to cover all the other regular, like, okay, we need to talk about sex and we need to talk about, you know, college, not college, but there are other like little things like, you know, do you, what are, how are you going to make money? And let's start, how do you know how to keep a budget? And mm. um, why do you need to get, do well in school? And I think by addressing those younger and, even pre-middle school in some case, in all cases, really, um, if they've got a goal, they're so much more likely to stick with those hard things. And, and that's the other thing as a parent and as a teacher, our kids need to fail. They Mm. need to fail and try again. They need to learn that it's okay. And that, and what can I do better next time? Or what could I do differently? Or, you know, how could I have approached that in a different way? Um, and maybe it just was meant to not work. You know, maybe that's opening a path to a new idea or a new opportunity. So I think a lot of times as parents really hard and even teachers like you, you want your you want your little students. And even, I'm saying little my middle schoolers, I still wanted them to succeed. But there were times when that was not possible. As soon as you started talking, the first thing that came to mind, so I, I just got engaged. And I know one of the things, thank you, thank so you. Cool. One of the things that um, that is a new concept for me is the whole idea of premarital counseling. And I feel like your approach to, to this, this coaching method that you're using is like pre-teenager counseling, pre-teenager yeah. coaching, which is brilliant. You know, like it's, and it's, it's, it's an awkward space in some ways. I, I can just imagine my 12-year-old self going, Mom, I don't need to talk to you about that, this, this, and the other thing because that's never going to happen. But realistically speaking, you're you're thinking you're you're creating a game plan together um, to kind of guide your relationship, but also just their their blooming adulthood, um, so that they know you know what their goals are, what their um, what to do if and when a certain situation arises when when it comes to either the coaching education or the parenting space i think one of the things that most often has come up in my circles at least when it comes to the coaching world um there seems to be a lot of and I'm hoping this isn't the case in your circles. Um, there seems to be a lot of um, lack of wanting to approach some of those more difficult conversations, um, especially like we're, we're very quick to say that social media is having such a you know a horrible impact on on the mental health of our young people. Personally, I can see both sides, but I'm a huge fan of writing, you know, helping teenagers write music that helps to change the algorithm so that we can start feeding our young people positive messages, but that's just me. Um, But in saying that, like, it's really hard to monitor what our young people are being faced with. Therefore, and, you know, I'm only uh, 34 years old, um, so I'm, I'm relatively young when it comes to the education space. However, I have definitely seen in my 
17 years of education, working in education, because um, I started super young, because I graduated super young. Um, the impact that YouTube has had on young people's um, minds, the impact that uh, sex and and how, how easy it is to um, access pornography online has done to young people's minds, um, the impact of, you know, all the social media clout competition that has, you know, impacted the lives of young people. How how do you navigate those conversations with your people? Yeah. So um, I think like you, there's good and bad to everything, you know. Um, my oldest, we luckily escaped most of this. He's going to be 26 this summer. So it was sort of starting to become a thing, um, but not like it has been for my youngest, who is 18. Mm. So the way we've sort of navigated it is we try to stay on the same page. So as things work, so one, well, one thing we did not let them have a iPhone until middle school. Mm -hmm. And that was when they were walking to school and it was not in the safest area. So we were like, okay, this is what you can have. Mm -hmm. um, but with that comes responsibility. So um, part of that responsibility was that they, in our rule, you are in our home. We had the role that you had to turn in your phone every night. Oh, I like that. Um, a lot of parents don't, but if you don't, and I'm not, every family has got their own set of situations, but watch the documentary childhood 2.0. It is a little scary. And I think a lot of parents have no idea. And I learned a lot of this as a teacher in the middle school of what was going on, of how, of how accessible all this was. And this was even after we had already instated this rule. So they had to turn it in. Now, were there exceptions? Of course, there were exceptions. Um, there's every rule is made to have exceptions or, mm -hmm. you know, varying degrees of, um, I don't know. That was our rule most nights. Now, if they had a sleepover, did we take other people's phones? We didn't. We were not their parents. Um, did we let our kids take phones on sleepovers? It just depended on the situation. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's a give and take. And that's part of where when you're a parent, you've got to, if you're in conversation with your children, um, you can talk about the whys and the wherefores and like, how is this affecting you? Um, so that was one thing is we limited it. And then uh, again, like when they start to be 13, 14, they're starting or even younger. Uh, maybe you were 11. Um, <laughs> you want your time alone. You want to be, you want in your room. So our role for that was, and I, I mean, that sounds like we had a lot of rules, but I think we just had guidelines like, okay, if you want your time alone, which I get, I, I wanted to be alone when I was a teenager too. But, I want to be alone as an adult, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, the thing, you know, our, our, the thing about that was, okay, you want to be alone. Awesome. You can be alone, but your phone means you're not alone. So you're, the phone would stay in the mm. or wherever with me, because if you really want to be alone, that doesn't include your phone. Now we had an echo dot and they could have music in their room, um, but they could not 
have a computer, which uh, just so you know, they can they can communicate through Google Docs. So if you've taken your kids phones away, they can be and they can delete that and it's gone. Just saying they're so creative and smart. They're so much smarter than we give them credit for. So <laughs> um, so and that's the thing you have to remember is we are the adults and we are in charge and that is for their good. Yeah. And so, um, but I know that was how they planned their outings. That is how they connected with their friends. And so as long as everything was going fine, that was really, the, those are the only two things that I can think of that were like rules about the phones, you know, or their devices. Um, and for a long time before we had laptops, there was a desktop and it was in a central room because as a teacher, I knew how some of the things that were happening and they needed to be out in the open. And I think that a lot of times parents are unaware of how easy, like you said about the porn, they're getting to porn through Snapchat and through YouTube and through all those things that they are enjoying. It's a portal to things that you may not want them to have access to. So just, you know, be sure that you are just sort of monitoring it. Yeah. You know, they had, they knew we had access to it. I know I didn't check often, but in the very beginning, about once a week, I'd say, well, I, you know, either their, their dad or I would say, can I see your phone? Right. And if they would pull back, then it, we're like, well, if you can't willingly hand us your phone, then what's going on? Right. So that wasn't really, we didn't do it all the time and not very often, but often enough that they but again, there are so many backdoor ways into things that watch Childhood 2.0. It's really scary. Yeah. That's where it's, I knew some of the things that I already kind of knew as a teacher were confirmed. Right. I, it's, I kind of, I, I will watch it, but I, I kind of vehemently hate <laughs> the fear mongering kind of media because, and, and maybe this is, you know, my, my kind of eccentric way of, of, of working with young people, I'm a huge believer in attitude reflect, reflecting leadership. Um, and I'm a huge, and obviously, you know, your kids respect you because you're a great leader. So, you know, hats off to you. But one of the things that I distinctly remember when I was a teenager is that, yeah, you're right. We found ways yep. around things. And if it wasn't, you know, Google Docs or Snapchat, because that wasn't, I mean, Snapchat wasn't around when I was a teenager, but, um, you know, th there are ways to facilitate those mediums being used healthily. You yes. know, I'm, I'm a huge believer when I'm, when I'm writing or even working with my vocal students, when I'm, when I'm working with my songwriting students, especially, I will utilize Google Docs with them so that they have a way to connect with me that isn't via social media or isn't via cell phone, but they can write down their ideas, email me and tell me, you know, hey, this is this is what I've got, which is awesome. Um, but I think it's really important that, to your point, that we, that we as educators and as mentors and coaches are up with those social media platforms so that we know how to use them, so that we know how they work, so that we know how they are potentially influencing the minds and and souls and, and well-being of our young people. You know, somebody who's just vehemently against TikTok because it's TikTok and, oh my gosh, China, <laughs> there's, that doesn't 
do any one any not project. doing anyone <laughs> right and i think you know just a little you know a little just reasonableness like for one thing we never tracked our teens they we i never had i don't know even what those apps are like live 360 or something because i feel like we need to trust our teens now did they make mistakes and did they do things that made us question our sanity on that yeah for sure but trust is a two-way street and i um were there times that we had to crack down on them yes but we never we never tracked them because I look back and I think if my mom and dad, and I was a pretty good teenager, but like, I know my sisters were crazy. So I think, you know, <laughs> if my parents had tracked us, there were, it, it would have been a completely different childhood. And I wanted my kids to, and, you know, if they don't make mistakes, how can they learn? And when they are, when they make a mistake, we have to be willing to forgive them. I think that's been a hard thing for to watch as so many of my both students and my kids friends have had things happen. They've made mistakes yeah. and, and kids are going to make mistakes. I mean, my gosh, I, I made mistake after mistake when I was a kid, but we have to be willing to let them work through that and see what they could do differently or better, or, you know, come back from that. And, um, I'm a big one. I, I have to really fight holding like a grudge and I don't want to ever hold a grudge against my own children. So I have to be willing to like say, okay, you made a mistake. That's strike one. So let's try to never do that again. Because I don't, I was a big one. Like, I don't want to, I want you to figure this out so that I don't have to figure out how I'm going to fix this for you. And a lot of times that was just enough to say, because it's not, you know, I don't know. It's re parenting is tough. Um, <laughs> Girl, you, you wait. Um, it's, it's really hard. And yeah. I think we that's the other thing. We need to really give ourselves grace. Um, yeah, we're going to make mistakes. I know we made a million mistakes. And our boys have turned out okay. And they made mistakes. And I have one son in premarital counseling as well. And it's been really interesting to hear his take on that. And just that you know, that forgiveness is a huge thing and we need mm. to be willing to look past something that maybe they've done. That doesn't mean that I think it's okay, mm. but that's where those conversations start and, and continue. As you're talking about that, because um, you, you talk a lot about, or at least in the last few minutes, you've, you've mentioned a, a lot about, um, you know, the okayness of making mistakes and how they're going to happen and they're going, you know, we're going to muck up and that's totally fine. Right. When you're a middle schooler, you know, mistakes are inevitable. What I wasn't prepared for when I was a middle schooler and what when I started working with middle schoolers, which I shouldn't have been prepared for given my own history, um, is not necessarily my mistakes, but the mistakes that, that, that were made that, impacted my life so whether that's somebody I use the word mistakes very loosely but I'm talking about everything from the impact of a divorce uh the impact of an abuse the impact of um a bad grade or about 
you know, finding out that actually you haven't been selected for a specific school or whatever it is. Um, forgiveness is obviously a huge component to helping that young person, you know, work through and understand and process that healthily. But can you sort of dig a little bit deeper and take me through your approach when it comes to loving that child through that pain, through that quote unquote failure, because I, I do believe that failure is really just an opportunity to grow. Um, but how, how do you do that in a way, as a parent specifically, that ensures that your boys and, and if you had any daughters, um, maybe one day in the in next life, <laughs> will, <laughs> will uh, you know, we'll be able to continue to thrive and, and um, in spite of, and I, and I don't, I don't say that to mean that, you know, any young person should view themselves as a victim because I do not believe in that word. But how do we make sure that we um, support their journey in the warriordom that they are potentially going through? Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people, which I'm going to put this out there. So I have boys. I don't have daughters. Um, or I have sons. Um, but I will tell you that boys feel things so deeply um, as well as I'm sure that girls do too. And having been a teacher of everything from three-year-olds to 14-year-olds, I've seen it, seen it all. And I think that when our kids are hurting for those various reasons that you spoke to, as, as well as 100 million other ways that they can be hurting, and a lot of it's in their own head, um, I think the best thing we can do is help them spin whatever's going on in their head or spin the situation that they are currently, you know, maybe it's a friendship thing. That's, that's a huge thing from literally preschool on mm -hmm. um, those frenemies that are so difficult to deal with. And that happens with boys too. I'm telling you. I, um, I know. Yeah. So I think we need to teach them from a young age or as young as possible. And it's never too late. So that's the thing. Like a lot of times they're like, Ugh, I already have a senior. Well, okay, start now. You know, you don't have as much time. You're not going to be able to cover as much ground, but you're still the parent and you still, you do not have any idea how much these kids love you. They do. Even though you mess up and you yelled at them and you know, they know you're mad at them or whatever they want support and love from us. So I think we have to teach them to spin whatever it is that's happening in their social life or their academic life or their mental life um, in a different direction. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect tomorrow or even in the next hour, but they need to start talking nicely to themselves. Mm. And, and that, and you can train yourself to do this and just like, okay, so I'm, instead of saying I'm dumb, which I got a lot in the class. I just can't do this. I'm dumb. Well, first of all, can't was a bad word in my class. I'm right. not going to say can't. <laughs> Let's think. I can't do it yet. You know, yet is a huge word. And um, so as they're struggling and they're going to struggle, I'm struggling. I'm almost 60 and I'm like, okay, how is this happening to me? We have to remember that they don't have the background knowledge and they don't have the maturity. So we have to help them cross that bridge and mm -hmm. just say, 
how can you do, what could you do tomorrow that would be a better way to deal with that? Or what are questions that you could ask yourself that would help you think of something more positive? You know, just get, if they can get in their heads, new ways of attacking a problem or of thinking about a situation, that is the first step. That's a huge first step because thoughts are dictate everything. (laughs) And I think I have figured that out even more, you know, I think that was huge to me when I did go in and teach middle school because I, yeah. I knew it. You know, it had been a few years since I'd been in the classroom full time. Mm-hmm. And these kids were really I went in in 2019 and I taught through COVID mm-hmm. and then the next year and we got our two kids out of college, our two older boys. And then I'm like, I I mean, middle school's a rough gig. And any middle school teacher out there, um, thank you for Salute. what you're doing. <laughs> Salute. A hundred percent. Yeah. But those kids wanted their parents to love them. That's all they wanted. And it didn't matter what their parents did for a living. It didn't matter how much money they had. It didn't matter. None of it mattered. And there were some really broken kids out there. So I think if you are talking to your kids, if you're listening to your kids, and that doesn't I think listening is a, is way underrated. Um, just listening to our kids. Two ears, one mouth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that saying because I don't know. I think if we give them the opportunity to share what's going on, a lot of times they just need to get it out. Yeah. I love that you bring up the cognitive reframe type stuff. I'm so big on giving young people some, some tools when it comes to being able to learn how to work through and reprogram how they're looking at things. One of the things that I, one of the exercises I specifically love working on with my, with my clients and my students is looking at their emotion as if it were a person. What would you say? Yeah. Right. Um, What would you say to your depression? If your depression was sitting on the seat right across from you and you were about to go into an arm wrestle, what would you, you know, like, what would you say? What would you say to your your broken heart or your sadness or even your happiness? What would, the, what would be the, the the communication that you would want to, like, what would be the messages you would want to communicate with those emotions just as a way to kind of get out of that mindset and start to sort of regain control over recognizing that they are not their feelings? Oh, yeah. Right? I love that. Yeah. Um, I think when we talked, I had talked to you about the the seven C's of, um, of parenting. And I think when we, so I, my, my, my seven C's are, can, I'm going to say them real quick. That's okay. Of course. You know what you can connect with friends, chart your progress. Who doesn't love a journal chip in around the house. It helps to help. It really does choose happy. And it is a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, chat with a live human. I think a lot of times they get into their phone and they just can't see anywhere else. And then check in, check in with someone, check in with an adult, check in with a counselor, a Mm. leader, you know, hopefully it's a parent, but if not a parent, find someone. And, you know, I think if we can share some of these ways with our teens too, like when you can control it, you can. Okay, just know that how someone else is thinking or feeling about you, that's out of your control. So go find someone else that wants to be with you 
or that you enjoy being with. Maybe it's not your first choice. Maybe you really want to be with that girl across the room, but maybe she's been a horrible person the last few days. So who needs that? Yeah. So we need to, we need to, you know, they need to learn to take care of themselves. You know, we're big about self-care and and midlife. That's one of my, you know, things with my new blog, but it starts young. Like they need to put themselves, you know, higher up in the priority of, I'm a good person. I Mm. deserve to be with people that love me and like me and think I'm funny and smart and treat yourself like your own best friend. Yep. Yep. No, I I love that. Yeah. No, I I love this so much. I'm very excited about all of the work that you're doing, Mel. I'm I'm super excited about your new joint venture. You've started parentinghighschoolers.com. Sorry, on Facebook, Uh, Parenting High Schoolers on Instagram. Nope. 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 This is wrong. That's where oh, you're right. From. Next phase okay. parenting. My apologies. It's okay. It's confusing. <laughs> Rebranding <laughs> is confusing, but this is this is it. Like just like from middle school to high school to high school to adulthood, every life is you know it's all about living in the next phase and and trying to figure out what that next phase is. My cat not, loves oh. getting involved in the very last part of of, of these podcasts. Um, okay, so you you've joined up with one of your um, with one of your buddies um, who is mm-hmm. also another uh, coach to create next phase parenting. So you're found on all social media uh, on next phase parenting on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, which I'm super fascinated about, uh, Facebook, and of course, nextphaseparenting.com. You are an author. You have a book uh, that came out a few years back now. Yeah, it came out in 2019. There it is. There we go. College Bound, the ultimate list of conversations to help your teen through high school. I love that so much. Yeah. And it's not just, it says College Bound, but that was like a good search term and I'm self-published. I was trying to think, how will people find my book? But it's really for any parent that has the intention of your child leaving your home eventually, which don't we all? I mean, it's a sad day when they leave, but it's also it's a happy day. And let's help them. These are conversations that will help them be successful wherever they end up. Of course. Of course. I love that. I love that. If you are watching and you want to keep in touch with Mel, please check out everything that she's doing at nextphaseparenting.com or, of course, Next Phase Parenting on all social media. Uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to gift our wonderful listeners with before we take off? Um, I do have this printable. I can't remember if I gave you that link, but I can sure not. link it in. Um, I can link it in. I'll figure out how to get it on our chat on your Facebook page. Sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So where, where can people go for that? Um, I'll have to talk to my partner about how, where we can make, have a little landing page for it. So Fantastic. I'll put it in your Facebook group by tomorrow. Will cool. that work? So for the seven C's, we can, we watch the space friends. We will be able to get that to you as soon as possible. Yes. Until next time, friends, thank you so much, Mel, for your time. Really appreciate your insight, your, your expertise and your unconditional love for your students, your, your kids, your, and your, just everybody that you, that you work with. It's, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm such a believer in, you know, we are all living proof that love wins because love truly does win. So I love that. I love that. 
Thank you so much uh, again to everybody who has taken the time to listen to or watch this podcast. Thank you to my Patreon supporters for helping make this podcast be an actual thing. Thank you, of course, to the iRant Network, who are the wonderful humans, well, human, his name is Mr. M, behind the production of this podcast. And of course, if you want to look back on previous episodes, you can check those all out on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iTunes, YouTube, or anywhere else that you get good podcasting material. See you next week, friends. Be good, be kind, and I will, uh, yeah, see you on the next episode. Peace. That was awesome. I was so excited to meet you finally. Yay. That's very cool. <laughs>
Love well. 